0: Morning, community of grace. Happy Father's Day. I know, I love that part. Everybody's like, uh, what am I supposed to say back? Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is Father's Day. We want to honor fathers and fathering, the gift of fathering here today. And we know that sometimes that's complicated. We have a variety of different experiences as fathers and with our fathers. Some of them go to extremes. Some of us had wonderful, loving, compassionate fathers who were there for us in so many different ways and we're so grateful for them. And others had experiences where maybe dad was absent or maybe he wasn't a source of love and comfort and safety in your life. And then there's a whole bunch of us who are somewhere in between. And we we just want to let you know we understand. We experience that together. That's part of what we share together as brothers and sisters in Christ with the Heavenly Father. Because it's Jesus who makes us family. And we have our Lord and Savior Jesus as a brother, and we have our Heavenly Father as a Heavenly Father, the perfect example of being a father. So on this Father's Day, I pray that you would know the love of God and the love of the Father for you today. And of course, on a day like today, we remember our fathers. I remember my dad. My, my dad passed away 14 years ago. It'll be 14 years in July. And uh, and I loved him, and uh, he, was, he was funny, and he was impatient, and he was... Uh, Kind and he was stubborn and he was all those kinds of things and uh, and the more I grow the more I start to become like him so but <laughs> it's kind of the reality but uh, but I love my dad and uh, and my dad could also do some really kind of strange things sometimes. You know, the, the dads have that reputation as being the ones who try to go out and fix things and figure stuff out, and sometimes they come up with some creative ways of doing that. Um, my dad found a creative way up at our lake place near Monticello one time. Uh, we had groundhogs. You know, Anybody ever had groundhogs that get in your yard and they start crawling around, they dig holes, and then you walk around and you fall in a hole, or, or they, the ground starts to kind of give way below you because they tunneled all around in your yard? Well, my dad had tried every different way to get rid of these groundhogs. He put out rat bait, and he put out all all kinds of different things to try and catch these moles, and it it never seemed to work. These groundhogs and moles just seemed to continue to be there. So finally, my dad got desperate, and he thought it would be good to try something like gasoline. (laughs) So he found some of the entry holes at different spots, and he poured gasoline down into the holes, and then thought, you know, maybe we'll just kind of burn them out right? So he took a piece of newspaper and he lit it and kind of tossed it over by the hole and nothing happened. It just kind of smoldered a little bit. So he kind of kicked it a little bit closer and nothing happened. And and then he kind of shoved it down in the hole and nothing happened until something happened. (laughs) One of the other holes went, Flames shot up in the air. Any of you ever seen Caddyshack? The movie Caddyshack. It felt like that. I'm telling you, uh, it was dangerous. It was bizarre. It was strange. And I don't think we got anywhere near that that gopher. I, I'm pretty sure that he survived all of it. But, but my my dad had a way with fire, um, and uh, and I remember that. And that was kind of strange the way that he tried to do that. But uh, but I do miss him and uh, and I love him. And we we think about him on days like today. And uh, and we think about uh, the kind of gifts that fathering is into our lives you know our heavenly father has given us a great many gifts and among those gifts are the gifts of his son jesus christ who came to live a perfect life and and share the love of the father with each of us through his life reveal the heart of the father to us and then die a death that paid the price that we could not possibly pay ourselves to cover our sin, to bring us into relationship again with our Father. And then as Jesus departed to to reign with the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been part of what we've been talking about for these last several weeks, who the Holy Spirit is. Because for some of us who were raised in more mainline traditional churches, we may not have had a lot of teaching about the Holy Spirit. So we've been taking time over this early spring or into the beginning of summer to talk about the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is. And we've been letting Jesus introduce us to the Holy Spirit because Jesus knew the Holy Spirit. Obviously, he wanted the Holy Spirit to be a deep part of our lives. He promised that the Holy Spirit would come. And last week in particular, we we shared a special day. It was a Sunday called Pentecost Sunday. And uh, really, it's just a fancy birthday party. Okay, it's the birthday party of the church. That's what Pentecost Sunday is about. It's the birthday party of the church, how the church was born some 2,000 years ago by the Father's outpouring of the Holy Spirit on those first followers of Jesus, and so we we got to experience some of that last week. And if you if you haven't been here, if you're new to Community of Grace, hey, I don't want you to feel like you're left out or left behind. You can hop up online. All of those sermons are there online for you to go back and see for the first time or review or however it is that that could encourage you. But I wanted to bring you up just a little bit up to speed from last week, because. What we read in the book of Acts after Jesus promised the sending of the Holy Spirit is we see the Holy Spirit showing up, and when the Holy Spirit showed up, some wild things happened, some strange things. There was fire that landed on the top of the the apostles' heads. It it looked like flame. tongues of flame were on their heads, and and this wind blew, and it wasn't any kind of a natural wind. It it was the wind of the Holy Spirit, and and these guys started talking in languages that everybody else could understand who had come from different places. Places and they, but they weren't guys who knew these words and these languages, so it was something miraculous. It was incredible, it was wild, and that's a lot of the reality about the Holy Spirit. (laughs) The Holy Spirit's kind of wild, and we want to keep learning about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is also exactly what we need to live as followers of Jesus. Whether we know it or not, the Holy Spirit is what draws us to Jesus, what brings us into that relationship with Jesus. So we want more and more of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives because that's what Jesus wants for us. And I tell you what, I want whatever Jesus wants. Whatever he wants for me and wants more of for me, I trust that it's a good thing. So that's why we have been learning about the Holy Spirit. So we're coming to the end of this particular sermon series, but it's not the end of our discussion about the Holy Spirit, okay? Because we're going to be starting a new sermon series next week, and I want to just give a quick plug for it. You may have seen this when you came in. It was sitting on one of your chairs. It's a little card, and uh, on one side it says Mission Impossible, uh, the summer sermon series, and then of course the M is scratched out because all things are possible through God and through the work of the Holy Spirit. We are going to be studying together the book of Acts. The book that follows up the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's actually a continuation of the story. It's the story of the early church. It's the story of the way the Holy Spirit guided and led the early church. So we want to dive into that this summer. We're going to do it over a course of many weeks. We know that sometimes people are going to be in and out and around town. Uh, Anytime you come, you're going to get good teaching and a a wonderful experience of community and of church here together with us. But we'd love you to invite somebody, okay? This is your way to bring an invitation to somebody. If you know somebody in your family or in your your community, and you just like to say, hey, you want to just come join me for church? Because there's no other way that is more effective for people to come to church than by a personal invitation. So use this as an invite. Say, hey, you want to come learn a little bit about this with me? Come hang out. We'll, we'll have some uh, dinner afterwards or whatever it might be. Just use that as a way to do that as we go into next week. So today, as we're wrapping up our sermon series, uh, That's the Spirit, we want to look at one more place where Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit and tells us something very specific about the way in which the Holy Spirit works, a way that actually corrects some of the misbeliefs about the way that the Holy Spirit works. And to do that, we have to open up our Bibles today to the book of John, the gospel according to John. If you brought your own Bibles with, that's wonderful. If you need a Bible, the uh, ushers are there at the ends of the row. They're happy to put a Bible into your hand that you can use to follow along. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we're gonna be looking at John chapter four today. This very important story, Rachel mentioned it a little bit earlier on, uh, this story of the woman at the well. Um, For some, this might be the first time you've heard this story. It's a powerful story. There's a lot going on in this story. So follow along with me as I read in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. Now, Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, "'Will you give me a drink?' Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Amazing story here of an incredible encounter that's got layers upon layers of meaning within it. It's so rich. And today I'm just going to focus on a really small part of it. It's actually towards the end of this interaction. You see, Jesus is out talking to this Samaritan woman, which would have been radical enough to begin with. She was a Samaritan, and Samaritans and Jews didn't mix together. And men and women, unless they were husband and wife, didn't interact together in public, especially alone like this. So, Jesus is breaking all these rules and just having this conversation with this woman. And as he begins to have this conversation and goes along talking about living water and and the gift that he comes to bring, he also starts to probe rather deep into this woman's personal life. And at that point, this woman does what so many of us would do under similar circumstances when somebody's probing and kind of getting a little bit too close to the center she changes the subject. (laughs) She changes the subject. She starts to talk about worship. And in particular, something that today we would call the worship wars. Has anybody ever heard that term before? The worship wars? Yeah, if you haven't, praise God, I'm so thankful that you haven't. But let me introduce you to them. The worship wars are basically this. I have a way and a style and a form in which I like to worship and any other way is the wrong way, and you should worship the way I worship and not the way that you worship. That's the worship wars in a nutshell. It can be around contemporary worship or traditional worship or high worship or low worship or sideways worship or indoor worship or outdoor worship, whatever kind of worship it is. We find reasons and have always found reasons to argue with each other about worship. And the subject is being brought up right here. You Jews think that everyone must worship in Jerusalem. We Samaritans have our own mountain to worship on, and we're not giving it up. You know what, in my experience, Jesus would probably say the same thing today that he said to that woman back then. Jesus would address these realities about worship the same way he did there, which is to say this, we spend way too much time focusing on the externals of worship instead of the internals of worship. Way too much time discussing our opinions about forms and our preferences about the way I like worship that's better than the way you like worship. And it started then, and it's been continuing on all the way up to today. And we've externalized those things. The the important stuff that we spend way too much time focusing on is on the externals. Let me give you some examples of that. Oh, you know, today the music was just too loud. (laughs) Or the music was just too soft. And it'd be in the same service from two different people. Oh, the seat that I'm sitting in is just... So uncomfortable And by the way I came in today And somebody else was sitting in my seat I can't worship now Oh the pastor's sermon was way too long today Oh the pastor He just he wasn't dressed properly for worship today Oh they didn't sing my favorite song In worship today Oh, we didn't say the Lord's Prayer or the Apostles' Creed, and it just isn't worship unless we do those things. These are all externals. All externals. Those are negative examples, but you know what? We also have some positive examples that still help us miss the point. (laughs) Like this. Oh, the choir, the choir sounded so wonderful today. That's what I have to have to worship. Or, oh, you know what? My favorite singer was up leading the worship today. Oh, it just isn't a worship service unless my favorite singer is leading worship. Or on and on and on. Oh, I enjoyed the guitars in the contemporary service. Or, oh boy, I really prefer listening to the organ in the traditional service. Whatever it is, they're all externals. And the more we focus on those, the more we miss the point of what worship is to be about. Now, it's totally understandable that we have opinions and preferences. We're human beings. To prefer something in and of itself is not wrong. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that because you prefer a particular style or form or type that that's wrong. What I am saying is when that becomes the focus of your worship and when you cannot worship without that form, you're putting your attention on the wrong thing. And Jesus shows us and answers this question very clearly about where and how we are to worship in a way that is pleasing to God our Father. And it's this, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in the spirit and in truth. True worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. Truth And there Jesus lays down the definition for us. Now, we got to unpack this a little bit. What is Jesus talking about? What does it mean to worship in the spirit and in truth? Well, let's start with talking about the spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17 has a verse that talks about the spirit, and it says this. It says, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom. Freedom. Freedom is an important aspect of worship. It impacts so many different ways and so many different parts of our worship life. There is freedom in worship. Freedom. There's freedom to laugh or cry. And sometimes you may do both in the same service. Some people come into a worship service and they're carrying a heavy load. There might be a burden that's on their heart or on their mind or they're just really weighed down by the trouble that's been going on in their life and they come in and it's just a relief coming in here and they feel the freedom to just express that deep emotion through tears. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And it might be that same person or another person who comes in that same week and is filled with such joy something that they just want to give honor and praise to God about, and they come in, their, their face is full of laughter and smiling, and they just want to express that to the Lord in laughter and in praise. There's freedom to do both. It doesn't have to be either or. There's freedom in the spirit. There is freedom to stand in worship with your hands lifted up high in praise. There is freedom to sit or bow or kneel with hands folded before the Lord. There is freedom to do one, the other, or both. It doesn't matter specifically that you feel you have to do one or the other or that somebody else is expecting you to do one or the other. There is freedom. Freedom in the spirit. Freedom to applaud or to sway or dance. To shout or to be contemplative before the Lord. I know that we as Scandinavians and many of us as Lutherans or just Northern Europeans, sometimes the emotional side of it just gets a little bit. <laughs> for some of us, the, the most comfortable way for us to worship is, is with our eyes closed and our hands folded quietly before the Lord. That's okay, it really is. As long as we allow the freedom for others to express their love for Jesus in different ways. Because you see, in addition to this being freedom for things that are in the spirit, there's also freedom from some things while we are worshiping in the spirit. We are free from judgment or manipulation. We are free to not judge one another based on whether we think they are being Christian enough in the way that they worship. And it can go both ways. I've seen people in a worship service who see somebody stand up in the worship service and put their hands up like this to Jesus and they're the only one standing and somebody sitting next to them going, boy, well, aren't they kind of making a big deal out of this? That's, oh, that's a little bit not making me feel uncomfortable. Why are they doing that? And I've seen the reverse where people are like, oh, man, you know, these people, they just won't get off their feet. They, they give no expression of emotion to Jesus at all. I wonder if they even love Jesus. The Spirit gives us freedom from judging one another on the way in which we encounter Jesus. There's freedom. And there's freedom to do both or neither or all of those different things within a service provided that we experience that freedom in the Spirit, that we allow the Holy Spirit to have room to move in my life, in your life, and differently in each of our lives. That's freedom in spirit the spirit it's also a freedom from self-consciousness or self-centeredness freedom from that place of standing up and going man i don't know if i can do this cuz everybody's looking at me now you're you're worshiping jesus you don't need to wonder what the person next to you or across the room is thinking and there's freedom from self-centeredness too which is look at me look at me There's freedom from both of those in the spirit because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about an expression of love and praise and worship towards God himself. So that is freedom in the spirit. So then what is truth? What does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth. Well, here's the thing. The truth is not some proposition. The truth isn't just some list of do's and don'ts. The truth is a person. That's what the scriptures teach us. Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when we say we worship in spirit and in truth, it means we worship in the freedom of the Holy Spirit focused on Jesus, focused on Jesus. Now, why do I need to point that out? Friends, I'm, it hurts my heart to say, but there are plenty of churches, a number of them, who are gathering together in worship today, and the name of Jesus is never mentioned. They would rather talk about God in some kind of disembodied, distant way because they're not comfortable using the language of Jesus, talking about the man, Jesus, the Savior, Jesus, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Rescuer and Savior, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus who really walked on the earth, really died on a cross and really rose again after three days, that Jesus. And we should feel comfortable in the language of Jesus and letting our worship be focused on him. Love you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Sometimes all those different places at the same time. Worship that is free in the spirit and focused on Jesus. That's the kind of worship that the Father is seeking. It's just that simple. We don't have to make it any more complicated than that. Now, I often get a question at this point when people are talking about worship. Come to me and go, yeah, okay, pastor, but what kind of worship do you really like? (laughs) My response is, I like good worship. (laughs) I like worship that is focused on Jesus and is free in the spirit. And that can come in such a wide variety of ways. I was telling you a little bit about my dad earlier on in the service. You know, one of my best memories of my dad is the fact that we would sit in church on Sunday mornings. I was raised United Methodist. And uh, and that means that we had preachers who were preaching in robes, and we had some pieces of liturgy and, and songs that we sang that were repeated each Sunday. And you, you learned them, and you memorized them, and you went, oh, wow, this is cool. This is something we get to all do together, and, and everybody knows how to experience this. And I learned it by sitting between my mom and dad and them exemplifying this for me, but something else I learned was how to sing harmony because my dad would sit there and open up the hymn book and we'd start into a song and then I would start doing the melody and then he would start singing the harmony. And I went, oh, that's kind of cool. How do you do that, dad? Well, practice, learn it, just flip it around and I'll do the melody and now you do the harmony. And we do that to wonderful hymns like Beautiful Savior or Great is Thy Faithfulness. Beautiful, wonderful experiences that gave me a rich, deep place of understanding worship. And then a few years later, I went down to the University of Minnesota with my sister and went to a service down there at a a campus church called Christians in Action. And down there, I experienced an entirely different kind of worship. I walked in there and everybody was casual and it was mostly students. And and as they were worshiping these songs being strummed on a guitar and and some of them had their hands raised up in the air like this and and others were were bent on their knees before the Lord crying out to God. and, and, And there was just this beautiful simplicity and passion. And one of the songs that they sang, I'll never forget, the first time that I was there, one of the songs they sang was a very simple song. Father, I adore you, lay my life before you, how I love you. A number of you know that same song, don't you? It was simple. It was beautiful. And it brought me into that place of experiencing Jesus in a different way, a place of Freedom in the spirit, focused on Jesus. I treasure both when they are in the spirit and in truth. That's where I seek to always be in worship. And I don't have to try hard to do it. It's about letting go of some things. Letting go of having to have all of my needs met or all of my preferences met in a service. Instead, just going, Jesus, it's about you. I want to worship you today. So what I'm going to do now is we're going to share together in a little bit of singing. We're going to have an extended time of worship. But before we do that, we're going to do something that we had the privilege of doing last service. And uh, the, the Holy Spirit just works in some incredible ways. Because it was really cool to hear people from the traditional service come over and talk about what we shared together. Because this is what we shared We sang the song that I was just singing for you in a round. And I don't know if you're familiar with singing a song in a round, but it'll start and then somebody else will add their voice to it, and then another person will add their voice to it, and we keep singing, and there's a harmony that gets built as we go through it. And it's three verses of this simple song: Father, I adore you, Jesus I adore you, and Spirit I adore you. And we did two parts of it here, and then when it was not simulcast, but broadcast over in the sanctuary, the third part was added by Pastor Angie. Because the Spirit also brings unity. It brings unity. We got to experience that together. I'm so glad that we did that. I'm so glad the Holy Spirit encouraged us to do that. And now we're going to do it a little bit here together too with my pastoral colleague and with Dan and with each of us singing. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to ask this group here in the center to follow along singing with me. And then this side over here is gonna follow along singing with Dan. And then this side over here is gonna follow along singing with Pastor Angie. Yeah. And we'll sing this together. Just come before the Lord in this time. Father, I adore you. Lay my life before Jesus, we love you. Be the focus of our worship. Lead us, Holy Spirit, to worship you, to worship the Father, to worship the Son, to worship the three in one God. We worship you. Jesus, continue to lead us and guide us now. Help our focus to be on you as we lift our voices. We lift our hands and we bow our knees. We quiet ourselves and we lift our voices in exuberation and joy. Lord, you're in all of it. Be our all in all, today and always. Amen. Amen.